Section 17 of Norway, Sweden, and Denmark, Iceland, Greenland, and the Search for the Pole. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Wanda Wilkie. The World's Story, Volume 8. Norway, Sweden, Denmark, Iceland, Greenland, and the Search for the Poles edited by eva march tappan section seventeen king magnus who was reformed by a poem reigned from ten thirty five to ten forty seven by halmar h boyesen when he magnus was born he was so small and feeble that it seemed as if he could not live many hours it was in the middle of the night and no one dared to wake the king his friend sigvat skald was therefore called and he assumed the responsibility of naming the child magnus after carolus magnus the german emperor a priest was then found who baptized it when the king heard of the occurrence he was very wroth and chided the scald there was no one in his family named magnus and perhaps he even suspected that sigvat had made a mistake in selecting the latin surname of the emperor rather than his real name karl it was under these unpropitious circumstances that the boy was born who became the heir to st olaf's kingdom and the love which a repentant people lavished upon his memory he was not quite eleven years old when he was proclaimed king at the oar thing but well grown and intelligent he allowed himself during the first years of his reign to be guided by the counsel of Einar Tamberskelver and Kalf Arneson, but soon gained sufficient independence of judgment to assert his own will. It was but a short time after the proclamation of Magnus as king that Harthenut prepared to invade Norway. Magnus, who was eager to punish the race of Canute for their insidious plottings against his father, also made warlike preparations, apparently with the intention of invading Denmark whether any actual fighting took place is not known it is not improbable that some insignificant skirmishing may have been done but before any decisive battle was fought the chieftains in both countries interfered and persuaded the two youthful combatants to make peace at a meeting at the bren islands at the mouth of the Gutta elve an agreement was made in accordance with which each made the other his heir and successor in case he died without issue ten thirty eight this might indeed seem to be a remote contingency but it actually came to pass four years later when hartenut died and magnus was without opposition proclaimed king of denmark at the viborgting and received the allegiance of the people thus norway and denmark were for the first time united and the descendants of harold the fair-haired were recognized by the danish branch of ragnar lodbrok's race as their equals as they already had been recognized by the branch governing sweden magnus must have been aware that it was to the sainthood of his father that he owed this recognition and he lost no opportunity to show his reverence for his memory he commenced the erection of a church in nidaros which was to bear St. Olaf's name, and made him a new sarcophagus adorned with gold and silver and precious stones. It was natural enough that he should take pleasure in the society of those who had been nearest to his father and stood at his side at Stiklestad, but the hostility aroused by the battle and the events that led to it existed in some measure yet, 
and one party began to fan the smouldering embers of distrust in the king's mind and incite him to vengeance against the other in spite of the amnesty which he had in russia given to those who had borne arms against st olaf he began now to punish all the leaders in the rebellion with great harshness it was the tronders particularly who had to bear the brunt of his wrath because it was they who had made common cause with canute and had been foremost in driving the sainted king into exile kalf arneson was among the first to experience the changed temper of king magnus jealousies had early arisen between him and einar tamberskelver both of whom called the king their foster son and prided themselves on possessing his confidence once it is said kalf had seated himself in einar's seat next to the king whereupon einar sat down upon kalf's shoulder saying it behooves an old bull to be stalled before the calf at a party at the estate hoag in berdelin the king uttered to einar a desire to visit the field where his father had fallen i can give you no information about that answered einar as i was not present but let kalf ride along with you he can give you full particulars then thou shalt accompany me kalf said the king and kalf though he was very reluctant was obliged to follow when they reached the battlefield the king dismounted and asked to be shown the spot where his father had received his death wound he lay here said kalf pointing with his spear where didst thou stand then kalf asked magnus here where i am now standing then thy axe could well reach him cried the king flushing violently my axe did not reach him kalf replied jumped on his horse and rode away he had already given orders to have his ship in readiness loaded with all his movable goods and as soon as he reached home he put to sea and sailed for the orkneys the great possessions which he left behind were confiscated by magnus torer hund escaped punishment by making a pilgrimage to jerusalem from which he never returned harik of thota was slain with the king's consent by a private enemy and many others were deprived of their cattle and otherwise molested the odious laws which had been given by swain alfifason were not revealed and the king acted as if he regarded himself as the master of everyone's goods life and liberty but the norsemen were not accustomed to endure arbitrary conduct in their kings a general dissatisfaction spread through the country and threatened to break out in open rebellion in Sigen, the peasants were already under arms and at trundelag a largely attended meeting was held at which the bitterest denunciation of the king found utterance happily however some were present who were yet kindly disposed to magnus and these determined to let him know how the people felt toward him the question then arose as to who was to undertake this hazardous mission for magnus was hot-tempered and had moreover made up his mind to inflict exemplary punishment upon the rebellious sonnings his friends determined to let chance decide they drew lots and the lot fell upon sigvat skald who in a song called the lay of candor took the king earnestly to task for his inconsiderate harshness warned him of the consequences and reminded him of his duties to the people who had of their own accord made him king the song made a deep impression upon magnus and he was from that day a changed man he gave up all plans of vengeance became gentle and forgiving and governed the land in accordance with the law his kindness and charm of manner made him now so popular that scarcely enough could be said in his praise the people called him magnus the good 
magnus however never forgot that he was king and that it behooved him to rule his kingdom and punish its enemies swain one of his earls was unfaithful to him and the king pursued him and overcame him in two naval battles he also broke up an old nest of pirates at jomsburg on the german coast in the spring of ten forty four when magnus was twenty years old he returned to norway his fame filled the north for so great things scarcely any king of his race had achieved at so early an age in spite of his hot temper he was well beloved by all his people for with all his vehemence he was upright generous and noble a pleasant story is told of him which throws much light upon his character in magnus's guard there was a high-born icelander named thorstein son of Sidahal. like most of his countrymen he was not amenable to discipline and offended the king by going to dublin without his permission in return for this he was outlawed but relying upon his friends and family connections he returned to norway paying no heed to the judgment of outlawry he brought with him some fine stud horses and offered them as a gift to einar tamberskelver whose influence with the king was known to be great einar declined them but his son eindrida not knowing of his father's refusal accepted them with joy he even invited thorstein to be his guest for the winter and had the hardihood to bring him in his company to the king's yule feast he was however persuaded by his father to return home with the outlaw before the king had seen him on the fourth day after christmas einar who was sitting at magnus's side ventured to put in a good word for thorstein to which the king answered let us talk of something else for i would not willingly anger thee four days later einar again mentioned the icelander but the king with a perfectly friendly manner dismissed the subject then einar let five days pass and once more asked that the icelander be forgiven we will not speak of that said magnus with some irritation i do not understand how thou canst presume to protect a man who has provoked my wrath that was my son eindrid's doing rather than mine replied einar but i did think that my prayer for a single man would have some weight with thee when we in all things have done and will continue to do what will promote thy honour i my lord shall be in an evil plight if you will not accept atonement in money from my son for thorstein instead of fighting with him for i cannot bring it over my heart to carry arms against you but this will i say that i do not perceive that you remember how i went to find you east in russia became your foster-father and have since supported and strengthened your kingdom thinking late and early of how i could advance your honour now i will depart from the land and no more aid thee but there will be those who say that thou wilt not be the gainer by all this thus spoke einar in anger jumped up from his seat and went toward the door but the king arose hurried after him and flung his arms about his neck come back my dear foster-father he cried never shall aught whatever it be have the power to break our friendship take the man in peace as it may please thee End of section number 17. This recording is in the public domain.